Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Good evening everyone. My name is Edwin and it's one thank you for the kind works, Mark. Um, it's wonderful to be here tonight. I'm married to Salumi. We we live in Malkbots. And uh, during the week, uh, I have a nine-to-five, and I sell stuff, and I do a bit of marketing, and on the odd occasion, I get to be here, and this is a delight, this is a treat, and and I trust that you will receive me, and I trust that you have faith for tonight, because I certainly do, and I prayed over every single thing uh, that I have to say, And, and Genuinely, well and truly, my heart is filled with faith, and I trust that God will bring freedom, that God would um, just minister to His people tonight, so it's wonderful to be with you. We are in the book of Colossians, and we're going to look at chapter 3. We're going to dig straight into it, and before we do, let's just commit this time to Jesus. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for every single soul, and I pray in Jesus' name that you would minister through your spirit life to each and every person. Father, I thank you for the futures that's in this room, and I thank you for the redemptive potential that's here. And God, in Jesus' name, I pray that it would be so much more than just potential, but it would be a reality that impacts the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to turn to Scripture, Colossians chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then, you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, that what is earthly in you. Put away sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that we have put off the old self with its practices, and we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, uh, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive one another. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So this book, Colossians, was written by a man with the name of Paul, and it was written to a particular people. He had he had a church in mind, and when he wrote this letter to the to the Colossian church, there, there's so much that if we just glance over it and we just take a, a, a glimpse at it like this, it can just whew, go over us. And, and and but there's handles in here. 
there's good things in here. And, and the aim for tonight is to, to grab a hold for the intention that Paul had, the original message, that what he tried to, to teach, and, and that the, the aim of the message that he had to the Colossian church for that very same purposes of the word to be achieved in our lives tonight. So that's the aim, that's the purpose, and, and that's, yeah, that's just what I'm, what, what I'm aiming for tonight. So there is this guy, Paul, and, and Paul um, was, didn't start out uh, as an apostle, believe it or not. Paul started out as a different guy. We, we meet Paul in, Paul was a contemporary of Jesus. He walked the earth the same time that Jesus walked the earth. But he didn't meet Jesus during that time before his death and resurrection. But he did have an encounter with Jesus after Jesus' death and resurrection. And Paul was a guy with a letter in his pocket. He was commissioned and he was charged to go and eradicate the people of the way. He was charged to eradicate the church. He was charged and it was something he was zealous. He wanted to wipe Christianity off of the face of the earth. And then on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter had the, the redemptive potential of that encounter literally transformed the world that we are living in. And I just ask myself, what is the redemptive potential in this room if people have encounters with Jesus? And, and I looked at the life of Paul and I say, boy, if I can get just a drop of that. What's the redemptive potential of, of my life? And I looked at Paul. What did Paul do? What differentiated Paul from other believers? And the very first and the very simple thing that Paul did was that he obeyed God. He listened to what God told him, and he did it. He was struck. He was left blind on the road to Damascus, and Jesus told him to do a couple of things, and, and, and he followed what Jesus told him to do. Imagine if Paul left blind, angry and upset, even more so now than ever before at Jesus. And he gets someone to guide him with his hand and he's back in Jerusalem and he's blind and he's got glassy eyes and he can't see and he's this bitter old man. And he would end and no one would know of him. But his first step was obedience. And I want to ask you, and I just want to encourage you, beautiful things happen when we trust in Jesus, when we trust in his word. So Paul would go on 20 years after this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was in a place called Ephesus. And he spent three years there. This was the church. He planted a church. And it was the church where he ministered for the longest uh, period of time out of all the churches where he was a pastor. And he was there for three years. And now, even years after that, he is in jail. And he is writing a letter because of a church that exists in a place called Colossae. And the theme for for this letter that he writes to the church in Colossae is one of joy. This guy, there's, there's something in him. It's like a, a praise and worship song on steroids. He's just praising Jesus with everything that he has. And, and, I, and I looked at this and, and I, it's, it's amazing the joy in this guy. And I asked myself, so if a stalwart of the faith years and years into his ministry, would speak to a church, and this church would draw that out of him, this 
praise and worship and the utmost adoration for Jesus out of him. What is it that is so magnificent, so special um, of this group of people that it will get that effect on this apostle? And then I read Colossians a couple of times. And the first thing that I saw is in chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, since we heard of your faith. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then chapter 1, verse 9, he says again, since we've heard, we haven't stopped praising God for you. And then in, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, so some of you have... I haven't seen you face to face, but I long to see you and what I would give to be with you. And I realized, and as I read commentaries, that Paul has never been to the church in Colossae. He, he, he didn't found the church. He had nothing to do with this church. So this church was a byproduct of the church that he led in Ephesus. So Ephesus is right next to Greece, it's right next to so Europe, it's at the top of modern day Turkey, so it's, it's right, uh, so the Romans would come through, through, to, through, through Ephesus, through Colossae, on the way to Euphrates. So Euphrates in Genesis chapter 2, verse 14, we read that God created four rivers to water the garden, to water in um, paradise, and, and the Euphrates was one of them, a, a river that's 200 2,835 kilometers long. So it's a long one. And, and it was a massive trade. So this, that was a trade route from Ephesus, Colossae. So people would stock up, they would get kind of things, and they would ship it out down the, the Euphrates. So lots of people went from Ephesus through Colossae, then to the Euphrates and to the ends of the earth. Beautiful thing was Paul is sitting in prison, and he hears there's a church in Colossae, and he has nothing to do it, simply because he preached the gospel to people who had normal jobs, and because they had an encounter, because they were born again, because God did something in them, they were transformed, they were renewed, they were different, there was something different about them. Now, these people went on route 200 kilometers from Ephesus to Colossae, and when they dealt with the Colossian people, the way, it was a trade city. So this city, let me just tell you about the city first. This city consisted out of many different nationalities, out of many, so it was a global hub. Um, so there were people coming in through Rome, there were so there were Romans, there were people coming from Greece, so, so there were philosophers, so they, they were Greeks. There were people coming up from Ethiopia, so there's Africans. There were people coming from Iran, Iraq, um, which were called Saracens or the Barbarians, so, so, so they were there. There were all kinds of people from all over the world in this place. And if I just listen to that, and I'm a pastor, and I have to go to a place like that, I'd go, uh, chaos. Because you can imagine now... The, there's a people, they came to faith in Jesus because they dealt with people who were different and the way in which they did business was so much different to the way that they were used to doing business that they, say, they said, we want to know more. And now they had this, this, this church that, that existed but in this church, there were Greeks, and Greeks were philosophers. Then there were Jews, and they were Jews. And then, you can imagine in a meeting, there were barbarians, there, there were Scythians, there were all kinds of different peoples. And, and, and when someone would want to teach, or if they came together in a setting like this, someone would speak, and, and the Jews would interpret in a certain way, because it's just the lens through which they viewed the world. The, the philosophers, or the Greeks, would view things through a certain way. And then you had the Romeo and Juliet. So... 
the Romeo and Juliet's are, are the, 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 if you're from a certain nationality and there's forbidden love with some other nationality, you would have babies and then the kids would be really confused in the middle. You believe a little from mom, believe a little from dad. And those people were also in the church. So, so this church is chaos, absolute chaos. And Paul looks at this church and his reaction is not... Hands in the hair, but it is joy and it is praise and it is adoration because he knows that that's not the issue. He's, we say this a lot in this church that orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. So right believing right leads to right living. And he knows the only issue here in this church is that these guys they, they, they just need to set their minds on something else. They just need to, to know. They just need to understand. We just need to contextualize what has happened inside. Because the, the good news is there's a church and they're relating to Jesus and they have a relationship with Jesus. The bad news, it's chaos. The bad news, it's upside down. The bad news is, we don't know what's happening. And it's happening every Sunday. And it was amazing. But we don't have words for it. We don't have language for it. We can't put it in perspective. We can't live it out. We can't walk it out. So Paul, on the road to Damascus, had this encounter, founded the church in Ephesus. And because of Ephesian church, now there's life in Colossae. So what he does is the following two things. There's only two things that he needs to shift their minds to. The first thing is trans, uh, that, that the, the preeminence of Jesus. So he no, preeminence means that no, no one can outrank Jesus. No one can stand next to Jesus. We can't compare Jesus to anyone. No one stands shoulder to shoulder to Jesus. Jesus is supreme. He is king. He's the firstborn of all creation. Therefore, in chapter 1, verse 15, he starts to write about the supremacy of Jesus. So read that. If you don't know how to pray, just read that and see the beauty of Jesus. And he just firstly puts that in line. So, so just anchors them and, and their understanding that the preeminence of Jesus, that, that, that Jesus is above every other um, thing in all of creation. It was necessary because people worshipped angels and they thought that God was transcended, which means tran transcended means that he's above, that God is big, that God is strong, that he's in control, or, or not in control, but, but he's above everything. So he can't catch a cold, he can't get flu. If there's a massive rainstorm, if there's hail, if there's an earthquake, none of, the, none of those things can affect God, but he's, he's above everything. And he's not, not really... Um, you know, at work in our lives. So, so Paul tells them that Jesus is the transcendent one. He tells them, set your minds on the things that are above which Jesus is next to the Father. So the first thing is Jesus is preeminent. The second thing he tells them, Jesus is transcendent. I just need to turn their gaze to Jesus. I just need them to orthopraxy. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. They just need to believe. They just need to, to see and understand, and then they will live this thing out. They will walk this thing out, and their walking will bring freedom. And there's a town next to them, and the, the gospel will go there, and there's a town, and the rest is on the trade route. So it will just spread out through entire Asia. And that's exactly what happened. That's the good news. That, that's how it ends. So there's a practical implication. There are practical things that, things that Paul teaches us in, this, uh, in chapter 3. And I just want to take out three things. And I just want to point you to these three things. And I hope that it would bring life to you. The first thing that, that I want to point out to you is in chapter 
3, verse 3, it tells us that our lives, the, the oldest died, we are now new in Jesus and, and we are hidden in Christ. So what that means, I woke up last week Sunday to the beautiful, beautiful news that there's a man with the name of Andy Ruiz. I don't know if you've heard of Andy Ruiz, but Andy Ruiz is the first Mexican heavyweight boxing champion of the world. And he defeated a man with the name of Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua was undefeated up until that point. Anthony Joshua is over two meters long. He doesn't have an ounce of fat on his body. He's made out of marble. And they, 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 it's a fact. You can Google him and your eyes will pop right out of the sockets. That guy is made out of stone. They, they say um, he's the best athlete of boxers ever. Just pure from pure athleticism. The, he's a machine. So he comes from the United Kingdom. He's a, a phenomenal athlete. And he was supposed to fight a guy with the name of Dylan White. So Dylan White is a mere mortal. So we know what's going to happen there. So, so Dylan White took steroids. And he got caught. So now they booked out so how this game works. They, they've got to book a fight. They've, 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 got, they've got to really hype this thing up because it's going to sell tickets. And you've got to get, you have to have a venue. So they get Madison Square Garden, cost them millions and millions. And then Dylan White tests positive. Oopsie. Big oopsie. Now, you literally, it's not a joke. I'm dead serious. You risk your life stepping into the ring with Anthony Joshua Google him, you'll see, you'll understand. He's a, he's a monster. So now they need to find someone else to fight Anthony Joshua. So Travis wasn't available. And uh, so, so, so a, a man with the name Andy Ruiz says, he, he, his promoters and his guys camp contacts the, the camp of Anthony Joshua and says he, he, wants to, he wants to do the fight. No one wants to fight him. And, and he said, okay, cool. So it's a big disappointment, lots of money involved. And, and by all means, uh, the world views Andy Ruiz as a second-rate fighter. So Andy Ruiz says, I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful for this opportunity. I'm going to win the, the championship. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the shot. Thanks very much. And the bookies have him 25 to 1, he's going to lose. There's not a snowball. And the only reason why they won't go any higher is because then it gets really easy to rig the fight and people can make billions if they pay. So, so, so it's just it's the maximum we can bet against. This guy's 25 to 1. He's not a snowball's chance in hell. He's going to lose. He's going down. And choose Bob. Third round, Anthony Joshua gives him a hook and bam, on the canvas. What? On the can, I shouldn't have said he, he won. Damn. Anyways, so he got up and he put Anthony Joshua on the canvas twice in that third round. And then the fourth round, he's stammering, stammering, and Anthony Joshua comes back. Finally, in the seventh round, he knocks him to the canvas twice, and the ref stops the fight in the world as a new champion by the name of Andy Ruiz. And if you can see Andy Ruiz, if Anthony Joshua is built and made out of marble, Andy Ruiz is a marshmallow man. Um, he's made out of marshmallows. I love marshmallows, very tasty, it's very cool. Um, nothing wrong with being a marshmallow. And, and, and Andy Ruiz is that. He doesn't look the part whatsoever. There is not a, not, not a fiber of his being. He shouldn't be standing 
next to Anthony Joshua. You shouldn't be standing next to him. He doesn't have any muscle tone. I'm not joking. He's a lovely guy, super friendly. So, so if you want to know, boxing, the, the, half the fight is made up in, in, in the, the hype before. So listen, you can watch YouTube clips, Conor McGregor, and he'll go into the guy's character, into his mother, into the neighbor. If you believe something, some kind of religious belief, he'll attack that. So, and that's the game. So people really get involved, and that's how you sell tickets. And Andy Ruiz didn't get the script. He was just, I'm so grateful. I can't do a Mexican accent. It's just, he's so grateful for the opportunity. He, he's he's going to fight, and, and he's just, he's so grateful. And he said, um, Anthony Joshua, you're the best. I really respect you. I'm a massive fan. So, so it's kind of weird. And... He becomes the champion of the world. He defeats this immovable mountain. And, and when I saw that and when I read the scripture, when our lives are hidden in Christ, you will look nothing like the world. You're not supposed to look anything like the world. And people will say, this is ridiculous. You don't have a chance. That's not the way that the West was won. This is not the way. You can't stand toe-to-toe. You can't have these pre so you, it's This is the 21st century. Get with the program. Those are ancient times. If you want to um, approach your sexuality like that, it's a joke. Not a chance. There's not... And yet we have the opportunity in Christ because our lives are hidden in Christ. We can deliver those knockout punches and the world will say, what is that? They will look at you, flourish, and they will say, there is no reason for this. And it's foolishness to the world, but it brings life and it brings freedom to those who are hidden in Christ. Paul writes to the Colossian church and he tells them, your lives are to be hidden in Christ. If you are a businessman, if whatever you are, people shouldn't see success. They should see Jesus. And if they don't see Jesus, something's wrong. People look at you, they should see Jesus. When people encounter you the way that you do business, they should encounter Jesus. There should be something about you. Your life is in it. And they should, dude, there's something, can I just ask you, how do you, and there's opportunities. God will give opportunities and we can minister into those things. We need to be obedient in that. Second thing, second point is the supremacy of Jesus. I don't know if, if, if we have that. So the, the, the second, first point we hidden in Christ, second one is that Jesus is supreme. We will not serve. Je- sorry, Jesus will not serve our culture. If you are, if, if, if you are, um, let's say uh, I'm Afrikaans and uh, you know, Jesus isn't interested in my Afrikaansness. Jesus isn't going to fit into my small Afrikaans little mindset. And I'm Afrikaans, I'm speaking to you in English because Jesus is supreme to our culture. This Jesus won't serve your culture. If you come from a long line of men and you do things a certain way and you are the man of the house and you only speak once, the Bible tells you, husband, loves, love your wives. The, the, the Bible teaches you, don't be harsh on your children. Don't be harsh with your children. The Bible teaches us those things. And you know what, Jesus, and you can't say, no, but I'm a so-and-so and this is the way that we, Jesus won't serve your culture. Your culture is irrelevant. If you, in your culture, if you have to worship the forefathers and all kinds of, and Jesus needs to just fit into that, it's nonsense. Jesus will not serve any of our cultures. We will, we submit to him. We submit to his ways, and we are to influence our culture because our lives are hidden in Christ. That's it. Third point, 
closing, slowing down. Don't have to slow down. We can go on. Um, is that I'm really struggling because I don't have the slides. I'm trying to remember. And, and the, the third and final point is that our, in Christ, we need to put on. So that's the on switch that I designed in my free. It's on there. Eh? We've got to put it on. So um, in Christ, we need to put on forgiveness. And, and, and you might say, I don't know about you, but, but I've been blessed, I think, with the ability to know when things match or they don't. So let's say someone is walking around, and I can check those shoes, and I have my reservations. You know, I just, doesn't look good. Uh, maybe don't put that on. Or if someone has, you know, you, we can just see when things doesn't quite, shouldn't put that on. Just honestly, with that and that, mm, doesn't work, don't, don't put it on. And same here with us in our walk in this Christian journey for becoming more like Jesus. We are to put on certain things. And you might think, but that doesn't look good on me. Yes, it does. The other things doesn't look good on you. Put, so, so he goes into verse 5, 6 and says, put off those things. Put off sexual immorality. Put off covetousness. Have you, so to covet, let's just, I just want to touch on that. Just so just think if when we covet, so you can go into a nice coveting frenzy for half an hour to an hour, thinking of everything that you want which you don't have. Just think about it. Oh, my life would be so great if I have this. And just covet. Just covet the, the, the light, daylights out of things. Just covet, 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 covet. And then after that half an hour of covetousness, how does your soul feel? How do you feel? Does it bring life? Huh? Does, it, does, it, does, it, does it bring energy? Does it set you free? Does it change your perspective? Does it give you hope? No, it doesn't. Put off those things. I have a better, God has something better for us to put on. It's simple things. It's beautiful things. So he tells us, put on, you, put on kindness. How's that? Put it on. And if you're grumpy and if you say, it's not in my culture to express myself, it's not in my culture to, you don't serve your culture. And Jesus will also not serve your culture. Put it on, do it. Put on friendliness. Be friendly. It's free. Covet that. Um, put on com compassionate hearts. Bear with one another. Put on patience. Um, and, and, but most importantly, let's just put on love. We, have, we, have an, uh, we are new people. We are new creations. And, and this be, the best garments that we can wear with this new person that's created of the, the image and likeness in Christ, the way that we hide ourselves, the way that the less of me, the more of Jesus, practically how that works, put on humility, put on kindness, put on meekness, put on those things, and you'll look more like Christ. Your life will be hidden in Christ, and you'll be able to deliver knockout punches, and the world will be amazed. And you can say, it's Jesus. Jesus. And, and I want to close this time, and I want to ask you, I want to ask you, when people look at you, what do they see? Do they see success? Do they, they, they see failure? Do they, what, what do they see? When they interact with you, what is the initial uh, expression or, or thoughts or, uh, about you? And, and you might not know this, but I want to encourage you that Jesus, everything that he, he, he calls us into, A, is free, doesn't cost you a cent, and you can it's totally, completely attainable. And B, it's life-giving. Everything that he calls us to do, if we're obedient, that brings life and it brings joy and it sets you free. Every time 
when I, when I sin and I stumble and, 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 and I go away from the things of God, every time when I turn back to God, I'm refreshed. Every single time I have not been in the presence of Jesus and said, wow, that was boring. Oh, it's a bit average. Oh. But I have flipping watched Netflix for six hours straight and it drained my soul and I felt so flipping dirty. It's terrible. And I've done the same same mundane things over and over. And every time my soul and the state of my soul feels exactly the same. Yet every time I'm with Jesus, he's great. He's he's the preeminence. He's the beginning. There's no one close to him. He's above all things. He created everything to him and for him. And through him, he makes his glory displayed uh, displayed through the world. And he calls calls us into that story. Jesus calls us into that story. It's free. It's free. He's calling us into that. So I want to ask you, why don't you trust Jesus? If, if you want to stop feeling like that and start feeling like, like that, why don't you just trust Jesus? And I, can, can we just respond? If, if you say that, you know what, I want to put this on. I want to, it might look soft and, and people at work might say something or people at university might think uh, certain things about, why don't you, why don't you put it on? And don't take it off. Why don't you just wear it? Don't give it a 30-day trial. Why don't you wear it? Why don't you, why don't you walk in it? Why don't you see the fruit that's in it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every single beating heart. And Lord, I pray that you would drop compassion into every heart right now. God, I pray the compassion for the things that you are compassionate about. I pray that you would drop humility into the hearts and to the minds, that we won't think highly of ourselves. God, I pray for every heart here. I pray that you would pour out Spirit of God. Come and minister. Spirit of God, make yourself known to your children that they are loved, that you have a plan and a purpose for them. That there is so much more than the mundane things of life. Jesus, I pray for, for, for this people. I pray that, that you would come and set us free, into, enter into space, enter into the promises that you have for us. I pray that the unlikeliest of characters in this room to deliver knockout punches in this world, that the world would be amazed and they would praise you. We worship you for the redemptive potential that there is in your encounters. And I thank you for the obedience what's on the other side of the, thereof. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen.